electronics on. Can you guess our thoughts this afternoon? Yes, sir. Did you look at the at the uh, Calvin? You're not supposed to cheat. I actually was going to name this something I heard or read. Rich poverty, kind of a what do they call those? A a uh, misnomer or a contradiction in terms? Yes, like hungry, satisfied, but um, no. Yes, thank you. It is a subject that it finds quite a bit of print in Proverbs, so. We're not quite exhausted in Proverbs yet, so I hope you guys are patient. We've been here for a couple of years. So this is not an easy concept, so I ask for your prayers. Proverbs chapter 3 this afternoon. We've enjoyed, well, I guess I have to let you speak for yourself, but I've enjoyed studying and, and teaching and preaching from this book of wisdom, and you think that you have almost exhausted the subjects, but there's also a whole subject of what's called potpourri verses that uh, are find scattered about different subjects. And uh, this passage deals with timely payments and gifts, being sensible to the needs of others. Chapter 3 of Proverbs, beginning with verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not thou unto thy neighbor, Go, and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. May the Lord bless this brief reading of his word. Please help, Lord, as we consider this sensitive subject. We know, Lord, that it is universal application. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit and open eyes and and open our hearts and give us grace to observe in this world those that we can minister to for the sake of Your name. Amen. I'd like to read those verses again. Ponder their meaning. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. It is indeed indicating that we ought to be timely with our payments if this is dealing with someone that we owe something to and also timely with our gifts and our generosity if it's referring perhaps to a poor person who has a need. Notice that the person that is the recipient of our goodness actually has ownership of it. Withhold not good 
talking to us, from them to whom it is due. So the recipient has a sort of power. Actually, the Hebrew is withhold not good from them who are the owners of that good that we are to, to, to give. And especially, it's obviously saying when it is in the power of our hand to do it. Now, for instance, the Lord is not telling us to go bankrupt and to feed the poor or to take the resources that our family might need and just simply give them away. It says when it is the power of your hand to do it, when you're able to do this. Um, And so, as the situation arises, whether it's talking about indebtedness or it's talking about mercy and generosity, he says, don't say to them, go and come again and tomorrow I will give. Now, your mind's eye, your mind might take you to James. Remember what James says about helping the poor. He said, you know, don't just say, may the Lord bless you and and, and take care of you and let him go his way and he's still hungry or he still has need. If you have the ability, uh, don't be hypocritical and just say, may the Lord use someone else to help you when we can be used. I know I'm paraphrasing, but do you recognize those verses in James that indicate that we are to be not merely hearers, but doers of God's Word? And this passage is, uh, can be applied to a timely payment of a debt, what we may have borrowed or bought and we didn't pay for it. We are to make sure we make it right. Whether we contracted with someone to pay them for some job, some um, thing that is needed, maybe someone who mowed our lawn or someone who who uh, fixed our, our, our uh, vehicle, Certainly it applies to that. Withhold not good. That's, that's a good thing to pay back. Owe no man anything but to love one another. But may I say there's also, it's kind of ambiguous in this passage and it can be applied, I think, in at least a couple ways. Not only a timely payment of a debt, but a timely needed gift to the poor. And the actual person is called a neighbor in verse 28. Say not unto thy neighbor. And so, um, you have a relationship somehow with this person by your interaction whether it be just a stranger that you have met and you discover there's a need and you have the power the ability to help um, in other words you're, you found a neighbor whose ox is in the ditch and you can and as the Lord tells us you read Deuteronomy for instance he says that you are not to lead, allow the neighbor's ox to stay in the ditch you're to help him pull it out. And if you find something about of your neighbors, whether it be a garment or a possession, you're to hold on to it until you uh, find the owner and, and give that possession back. You're not to just mind your own business. But we are, in a sense, to mind other people's business if they are in need and they um, are... Uh, are uh, in need of that particular item or that particular favor. And so, um, we are instructed here to be observant, to be righteous in our relationship with people, whether they be strangers, whether they be known 
friends, our neighbor. And the question might, might, uh, might be asked, who is my neighbor, right? But again, just like the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's not the question to ask. What is our, the proper question to ask, right? Who can I be a neighbor to? And that's the burden. Who can I be a neighbor to? Our neighbor literally is someone that certainly lives close by, but it's someone that I can become a neighbor to as we turn to the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, it's, it's timely that this passage is um, commented on today because you and I often find people asking for favors. For instance, total strangers outside a store asking for money, asking for you know, possessions. And sometimes we feel guilty if we don't put something in the bucket or we don't give them something and we uh, often we quote the verse, uh, you know, do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Or if we can't always accommodate our neighbor for whatever he asks of us, especially, for instance, neighbors that are close by. Um, we, tr- we like to accommodate them as much as possible. You know, could I use your tools or... Could I take a walk in your yard or could I borrow your... You know, we always try to be accommodating, but there are times we feel like for various reasons we can't accommodate. I just give a personal illustration. Um, Our neighbors have a a four-wheeler and those things are dangerous uh, vehicles. Our son was severely, we feel, hurt years ago uh, when he tipped it over. And our neighbor has young children that are under 12 Three of them are on the four-wheeler. One is driving and two are on just the back um, carriage or the back uh, rack. And they're, they're going 10 miles an hour and they're going right through the property and it's, I know it's bumpy there and into the woods and it's, it's very unsafe. And I just was very, you know, very, very concerned and I was worried for their safety primarily, but yes, for lawsuits. So, what I'm trying to say is that I had to ask the neighbor that they have to be 16 and they must be alone on the four-wheeler and must have a helmet. You're welcome to ride. Now again, I felt like I was the grumpy old man, but and, I, and sometimes you feel the toughness of, of the situation. Recently we had someone that, that asked people on a four-wheeler to not ride it in in the wet weather because it tears up the lawn. He said that their neighbor never spoke to them again. This all somewhat does apply, at least I'm, I'm hoping to, to weave this in as time goes by, but someone might ask the question, am I always obligated to give money to someone that's asking for a donation? We find the Salvation Army. We find Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We find... Uh, there have been people who have been trying to help drug addicts outside stores recently. And you have all kinds of people asking for money. Are we obligated? What is the biblical position? Or neighbors that we may not be able to accommodate all the time for everything that is asked or expected. How am I, am I to live like I'm tied up in knots 
if I don't accommodate, how am I to flesh out this text, this passage, and other passages? The Lord Jesus, for instance, says, and it's recorded in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, the poor you always have with you. And as you wish, you may do them well. But me, you have not always with you. Remember when, um, was it Mary that, that broke the flask of expensive ointment and, and, and anointed Jesus? And they, they, they were all upset, led by Judas, because this could have been given to the poor. Was that really their desire? Or did Judas want it in the bag that he was pilfering from? But Jesus said that, that the fact of the matter is you'll always have the poor with you. We're not to, uh, certainly that's not a verse that says the poor can't, um, help themselves to better themselves in their condition. It's not saying that they should just, uh, never get a better job or never work harder and maybe, uh, improve their livelihood. But it's a fact of life, the poor, until we get to glory, but it's interesting, there are verses in the Old Testament that said that when the Lord brought them into the land of Canaan, that the situation could arise that there are no poor among you. But the Lord Jesus said, generally speaking, the poor you will always have with you, and if you desire, you may do them good. And so there should be that inclination on the part of believers to do good to those that are in need, whether it be financially or physically or because of, of their of their uh, lack of ability because of age or what have you. And so this is a, a timely text, I think, for, for all of us. So good is due to someone, uh, and the Bible is teaching here that good is naturally due him. He's literally the owner. He controls the good that we may give, uh, that we may have in possession. So this is describing someone who has a moral claim upon our assistance. A moral claim upon our assistance. And we have to decide in every case if our neighbor, if a poor person, a needy person out there has a moral claim on our assistance. And this is an ethical issue too. If In the middle of winter, if you see someone in the ditch and you're driving by, you have to make a quick decision do I have the moral responsibility to help my neighbor right now? The same way when you see someone asking for money on a sidewalk. Peter and John were walking to the temple, you remember, and there was someone there that was asking for their assistance. Now, Peter was honest. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I had give I you. He felt the moral obligation, uh, the moral claim upon the man's soul. Such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And may I say, at least we have the, the, the goods, we have the possession of treasure to give people spiritually. We should always feel a, a moral obligation to preach the gospel, to bring the word of God to people. But again, there has to be a, a concern that there are some people who may be dangerous. And so we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And especially, say, women who are meeting men out there in public 
who may have a need and they may be taking advantage of them. And you remember what Ted Bundy did many years ago and that he would go into a parking lot and pretend like when he was getting his groceries in his van, he was pretending like he was an invalid and he would always try to park next to a woman's vehicle and ask for the woman's help and she would help him get the groceries and he would push her into the van. And so we always have to be, again, very wary, very concerned that this is a fallen world. And even people that are asking for your assistance, there has to still be that sixth sense on our part to be very, very cautious, especially if we're weaker um, than the one that may be asking for our assistance. So, do I have the ability to provide the good? Um, Now, again, there have to be disclaimers. In the Bible, we, are, we have no moral obligation to help a sluggard who's a sluggard on purpose. Second Thessalonians says, He that will not eat, he that will not work, should not be enabled to eat. And so, there's that moral obligation on our part to discern. And so, the question I have is the people that are asking for money Perhaps the best thing to do, and I'm getting ahead of myself, is to get to know the person. Park your vehicle and go over and talk to them. Why are you here? What is your need? Do you have a job? Is, you know, what's your, what are your circumstances? Because this is hard-earned money that I'm willing to give up. And so I feel like I have the right to ask this information. So we have to discern, are they sluggards? Are they slothful? Are they not willing to work and so they just want to beg? And then... Proverbs talks about leeches in chapter 30 and verse 15. Uh, we have to discern if people are simply leeches and they're always asking and never, though they may have the ability to give. And they just want to be sponges off government, society, and individuals. He says in chapter 30 and verse 15, there's a generation, and he's talking negatively, a generation whose teeth are as swords, a generation who are horse leeches, he says, uh, crying, give, give. And they don't have a generous spirit themselves and they are just simply uh, sponges off society and they have a self-centered, covetous, um, slothful spirit. And so it is resp- we're, we're responsible to become educated uh, with those that are claiming to be poor and in need. And then in chapter 29 and verse 21, I think this is at least the third category of our caution. Chapter 21 or 29 and verse 31, um, there is no 29:31. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. And I have here a pampered servant um, is is someone that we need to be cautious about as well. So, we are to be concerned for those who have a genuine need, whether they are are poor for whatever reason, or whether they they have a claim on us because we owe them something due to a, a debt or a purchase or a contract. Bring up Leviticus 19.18, the second greatest commandment. Keep in mind, love thy neighbor as thyself. 
Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you and I were in that condition, what would we hope, uh, for, what would we expect from well-concerned, well-grounded uh, people? Now, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel to love your neighbors yourself, but it's an atmosphere for the gospel. It's a, um, it's a platform to getting the gospel into people's hands, into people's hearts. Now, I looked at a survey recently and they said, why, why have people visited churches? And uh, my wife was quick to, to recognize that a major area that they failed was that um, they had parents that brought their children to church. And, but 86% had been invited. 86% obviously were in uh, were befriended, so there is there is a need to randomly give out gospel literature and randomly preach the gospel. But the, the the need that we need to remember is love thy neighbor as thyself is an ongoing relationship. It's not just simply a willy nilly or a random relationship. It's getting to know someone, uh, someone that you're working for, someone that you see regularly, someone that. Uh, you may know from being a, a firefighter uh, in the fire department or um, in, a, in a sports league uh, or just a, a, a merchant in a string of stores and you're seeing people on a regular basis. He who winneth souls is wise is another proverb, chapter 11, verse 30. The word winneth is the word taketh souls, draw souls, and they properly uh, translated it win or influence souls. In other words, doing good to show love and concern by giving them the gospel. Of Jesus it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all that were uh, uh, oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But you notice that Jesus went about doing good. Now, he didn't have money, we're told that, but he, he, he was friendly, he was uh, healing people. He, what he could do, silver or gold have I none, but such as I have give I you, be healed. But it's still under the, under the category of doing good. It was in his power to do good, and he felt the moral obligation, obviously, to heal people that he declared uh, that he uh, ordained to do so. So, I think we can read between the lines here that Jesus was loving and making neighbors and being a neighbor to people and then being able to preach the gospel to them, knowing that uh, preaching the gospel and feeding their stomachs was something that was mutually inclusive. And you remember, he would preach the gospel and feed the people. Or feed the people and then preach the gospel. They went hand in hand. But doing good and preaching the gospel went hand in hand. But again, doing good is not the gospel. Doing good is not necessarily preaching the gospel. Doing good is, is showing love for our neighbor and it's setting up the situation where they can trust us with the gospel, where they can trust us with information because we have put our... our uh, our, our mouth, what's, what am I trying to say? We, we, have, we have put our, our mouth to the test. We have been willing to, 
to sacrifice, we've been able to give what is in our possessions. Now obviously, as for timely payments of debts, it's righteousness, it's honesty, it's truthfulness, it's faithfulness. As for timely gifts to the needy and doing good, it's a wise and godly practice. That's what the Lord is telling us. He has not commanded us every single case to necessarily accommodate. He says, as you will, you may do them good. He's giving us that option to pray and to, and to decide that, okay, here's where I'm going to give this person. I've got a string of ten people asking for funds. Are we obligated to give every single one of them? You've probably heard of the man that, that at Christmas time he's gone out and, and he's, he's brought fifty hundred dollar bills with him. And he randomly gives out the hundred dollar bills. Well, what about the hundred people that didn't get one? Can they lay claim to that as he desires? And just like the Lord, even of our salvation, the Lord uh, has those parables that say, I have a right to do what I will with my own. Just like in that one parable where everybody got the penny, but the people that worked in the 11, for the 11 hours in the heat of the day thought that they should have been paid more, but he said, did not I agree with you for a penny? And do, do I not have the, desire, have the power to do what I will with my own? Take what you have and go. And so the Lord even says that He has the power to save sinners and He has not decided to save every sinner. We all deserve His wrath. And to think that any of us are saved, we should all be eternally grateful. To think about our classmates, those of us who are older who sat next to us and are still dead in their trespasses and sins. And why did He pull me from the crowd? I was more obnoxious. I was more uh, wicked than they It's God's saving and sovereign grace to save our souls. And again, Mark 14, 7, The poor you have always with you, and when you wish, you can do them well. Literally, you are able to do them well. If you have that power, you have any finances or any ability to help them, whether it be to lift something or to mow their lawn or to paint their fence, whatever it might be. And Ephesians tells us, Them that stole, steal no more, but let them labor. The word is, uh, it's a strong word. Let them um, um, toil in order, not only that they might provide for their own, but that they might have to give to those that have need. And so another question is, how do I know if a person's poor? And the scripture normally describes it as someone who has a need and may not be able to, provide it for themselves right now. So it might not be a literally impoverished person. It just simply might be someone that may have a lot of wealth, but they don't have the ability to take care of a particular job or task. And such is our generosity that the Lord tells us it has a great potential of leverage in a person's life. Look at chapter 17 and verse 8. Chapter 17 and verse 8. A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it, whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. Just ponder that verse some. Now, some people immediately go to that verse and say it's a bribe. 
It's true about bribes. There are good bribes and there are bad bribes. Okay? Obviously, the Bible has several verses that speak about a bribe will pervert justice. That's a bad bribe. But there are bribes, they're called gifts here, that turn, that have an influence. As it says here, whithersoever it turns, that is the gift, it prospers. And uh, this could just as well be referred to a tip. Now, the worst thing you want to do at a restaurant where the waitress is, or the waiter is expecting a tip is not to tip. Better go to a restaurant that doesn't expect a tip. Don't go to a restaurant that expects a tip if you're not going to tip. And especially don't dare, if you're not going to tip, to leave a gospel tract. You're going to leave a, a bad taste in their mouth. I remember when the president of our university had to rebuke students who were going to restaurants and not tipping the waiters or waitresses. He said it's a poor testimony. Go to McDonald's. Go to Burger King. Don't be going to Red Lobster. If you can afford to buy a meal at Red Lobster, you can afford to leave a tip at Red Lobster. But that's just simply a, an illustration of, of a gift that can be used. Just a favor that you do someone is it goes a long way in them being willing to listen to the gospel. And obviously you find uh, bad gifts, like verse 23, a wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. So people that take bribes, and we know what's going on in Washington right now and all that probe about our president's administration about bribes and about threats in Ukraine, uh, may the Lord bring out the truth. And then chapter 15 and verse 27, He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Now that's talking about bribes in the negative sense. But this text, again, is ambiguous. And there are good favors, good bribe, bad bribes, and there are good favors and good tips and good uh, gifts. And that's what we're referring to here. Now, we're all, we're all met with challenges for random giving. May I say, I believe biblically, a random gift to someone that you don't know, you have no clue who it is, is optional and commendable, but it's up to you. It is optional. Be careful. But even like someone said, there was a man that came here not long after... Um, a, a hurricane. I don't know if any of you remember, but right after a service Sunday morning a few years ago, a person showed up with his family and said, "We we had, we lost everything in a in a uh, a hurricane, and we need help." And so all of us scraped up about all the food that we had in the basement, and people scraped up food. I think we gave a few hundred dollars, and there were a couple people in our group that said. This is a scam. And they, they, they felt they smelt a rat somewhere, but they went off and nobody could trace where they were and, and we wondered why they came after the church service. But the, the conclusion was, you fool me once, it's your fault. We, we were, we, we, as far as we could tell, we were just being generous. It didn't bankrupt anybody to give them 
the couple hundred hours and the food. If you lied to us, you're going to have to give account to God. But if they come back again and we've discerned that they're a scam, that it, you fooled me twice, it's my fault. Just like Harold Camping many years ago. He fooled them twice and it was their fault. So random giving is optional, but we should pray certainly about even that. Um, I remember years ago um, working in Greenville, South Carolina. I took a little, I zipped around a little, um, little truck and I was taking mail to places and picking up items here and there. And I was outside the post office in downtown Greenville taking the mail of the university. And, and as I got out of the vehicle, someone came walking over to me and said, Hey, could I have some, could I have some money? I, I, need a, I need a Greyhound ticket. And I'm not good at... at I'm not, I, people have asked, why, aren't you, why don't you have your church in downtown Buffalo? You'd have more people. So I'm just not street smart. But I just had a... I just had a question mark in my mind and I said to him wait a minute the Greyhound terminal is two blocks over that way and people normally have money that are going on Greyhound buses what are you doing over here in front of the post office and he gave some excuse I don't remember what it was I just didn't feel at peace about it and so I just went in the post office and I noticed that while I was in line he goes across to the next person that just stopped and I see the person pull out his wallet and, okay, he got some money. And so I forgot about it and I was in a long line and when I went out the front door, I looked and guess where Mr. Um, Mr. Beggar is coming out of a liquor store about three doors down. So, again, that isn't always the case where you have a, a sixth sense and that you, dis- you find out someone that is a deceiver but we certainly need to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So a random gift is optional, optional and commendable. A total stranger who has no power over your gift or your good may be helped by your gift and receive the accompanying tract that you always, well, I think we always should accompany with a good deed or a, a gift, a tip with Information and, and I failed and, and the tri- on the vacation. We should have had more literature on us. Again, it may be a scam, even so it's their fault if we have tried to be generous. But we need to be careful. We need to walk circumspectly. But we need to realize that that may be the leverage in which we are able to give the gospel to someone. We may have neighbors or acquaintances that we just have never seen have never seen the, the, the opportunity or the accomplishment of the gospel with that person. And what we should be praying, Lord, would you put in that man's life a need that I can meet? Something in their life where they feel that, that what I may contribute will help our relationship? And, and be able to provide an atmosphere where they'll be able to we'll receive the gospel. A total stranger normally doesn't just listen to us preach the gospel. Or even just someone that we know that we've never really connected with and we've never really been a help to. And I'm just saying this, I'm looking in the mirror as I have asked the Lord to help me to observe and help me to, to uh, be willing to interact so that 
I can be of help and that so that the gospel platform might be presented by the Lord. It was Mr. Charles Bridges that said, even if we have no legal debt with anyone, we have a gospel debt. We have a gospel debt. And I think we all understand that, don't we? We can't be like verse 28 says, go and come again. You know, I know you have a need. May the Lord bless you. But can He use us to bless that person? And if we have the power in our hand, the ability, we cannot say go and come again, but we can say here, let me help you. But this is just a temporal gift. This is going to help you briefly, temporally. But will you listen to me to give you something like Peter and John said, such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can have the hope of everlasting life. And I know my time is just about gone, but throughout the book of Proverbs, you have information about literally poor neighbors. Like Jesus says, the poor you have always with you. And again, deciding who is poor it may not just be a financial thing it could be a physical thing they can't take care of their property you know they've had uh they've had sorrow in their family they just can't take you know they can't they can't keep up their their lawn or they can't keep up their uh laundry or whatever it may be we have to be observant not not uh busybodies but god help us if we're going to befriend people to be observant to see you know i notice that you know, they're, they need a windshield wiper or whatever. We just are observant as you go up to someone's door or, or you see someone in the, in the, in the uh, parking lot and you see their vehicle is in need of just washing the back window off, whatever it might be, shoveling a driveway or a sidewalk. The Bible says it's a virtue. Remember in the last chapter, what does it say of the virtuous woman? She stretches out her hand to the poor. She reaches forth her hands to the needy. You see, that's parallelism. That's poetry. It's synonymous. It says the same thing. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. And there's an effort there. She stretches out her hand. It's not a random thing. It's not an accidental thing. It's a purposeful thing. Now, in that chapter the husband and the household are first she's not neglecting her marriage and she's not neglecting her family but it's like again Ephesians to have enough to help others in need not just enough for your family there's an effort made this word for stretch is used of someone swimming stretching out their hands in Isaiah 25 it's used of stretching out a net to catch fish and so on. Wings of a bird. You're making an effort to reach people. Now there are all kinds, different kinds of poor in the book of Proverbs and the Scriptures. There are those that are perpetually poor. And so they need regular contributions. Uh, he that give it to the poor shall not lack, Proverbs says. So there are poor that are always with you. There are poor that are providentially poor because of misfortune or sickness. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. He gave them all life and He's the one that puts them together so that the rich might be challenged to help the poor and the poor might be challenged to pray for the rich. 
and to pray for their humility. There's, there's, a, there's a balance there. There are those who are poor because of guilt. They're culpably poor. He becometh poor that deals with a slack hand. The poor heareth not rebuke. And the, and the uh, context of that is probably they became impoverished because they wouldn't listen to counsel. So giving to these culpably poor people may be enabling them, their poverty. And so we need to be careful. Are we alleviating their poverty in a positive way or are we enabling their poverty? And it takes sometimes just getting to know someone. Sir, I don't know you, but I want to know something about you. Why are you asking for money that I've worked hard for? And there are those that are contended to be poor too. And they may have become poor because they've been oppressed. Chapter 13, verse 23 says, there's much food in the tillage or the, or the, um, um, the, the tillage or the, the tilling of the poor. But the idea is injustice has wrested it is from them. It, it's the, they've been oppressed even though they've had a little bit of land to till and they've been successful in, in at least bringing to the point of harvest. They've been oppressed. And people have stolen from Remember they were doing that in Israel when, when uh, Gideon was trying to protect the harvest. The poor, of course, can always better themselves. Uh, the Lord is never saying that a poor person always must remain so. But the poor needs love. Chapter 14, verse 20, The poor is hated even of his own neighbor because they're burdensome, because it restrains the happiness of the neighbor. And the poor can't afford to do what others do, and others feel guilty when they do things that the poor can't do. And so they're often despised. And the rich don't want to live near the poor. Chapter 14, verse 21, The poor, or the afflicted one, is to be shown mercy. He that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. They're favored by God. Chapter 17, verse 5. Whoso mocketh the poor, reproaches his maker. The poor is naturally lowly. They use entreaties. Chapter 18, verse 23. And yet the rich answer roughly. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Chapter 22, and verse 7. Yet the Lord speaks of the, the, the poor that are godly. The poor walketh in his, in his integrity. Chapter 19 and verse 1. They're, they're loyal. They crave mercy. Chapter 19 and verse 22. They walk in their uprightness. Chapter 28 and verse 6. And remember the poor widow that cast in all of her mites? The Lord says she's cast more than all these rich people. Of course, the Lord, though He was rich, yet he became poor, that we who are poor might become rich. The poor are often neglected and shunned. Chapter 19 and verse 7. His friends go far from him. He pursueth them with words, but they are wanting. They don't want to listen. And the poor need salvation. Chapter 28 verse 3. So can we wrap this thought up this afternoon? I can say that we need to be observant and generous. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. 
You know, in other words, the Lord is saying an attitude of refusing to consider the needs of the poor is going to hurt yourself. It's going to, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. God has lifted, or God has given life to the poor, and they, they will give account to him as well as the rich. The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. He's not only given them both life, but he's put them both together. And the poor, as well as the rich, will give account at the day of judgment. We need to consider the poor. She stretcheth out her hands to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. The Lord, it says in chapter 14, in verse 31, the Lord honors him that has mercy on the poor. Chapter 31, and verse 9, the kings are, are said to plead the cause of the poor and needy. And it's a sad thing in chapter 30 and verse 14. There are those that devour the poor from off the earth and the, and the needy from among men. Again, they see them as aggravations and burdens and distractions of their joy. Like the rich man who wouldn't even give Lazarus the crumbs from his table. And so, we're going to see people that are in need this week. People that may be asking for favors or asking for money. People that, that we owe a debt to. And we, ought, we who have the ability certainly to pay debts are not to hold the money. Remember it to the poor, it says don't hold it because they need it that day. Especially those who, you know, we cannot say I'll give it to you in 30 days. But let's be careful to be wise in paying our debts. And if we can't make a payment, then we need to ask permission or even if we have to, to, to add interest. But generally speaking, my, my burden this afternoon is, as Tiny and I have, have, have certainly discussed things about people asking for money outside stores and, and uh, people that we may have neglected and not observing you know, they're maybe run down property or just their lives are in disarray or, or uh, just need to do better at, at being observant without being um, snoopy or busybodies. And uh, generally when you do someone a favor and you help them, they're going to be open to the gospel, at least listen to you. And uh, you all are good examples of that, of doing good to people and earning your right to give them the gospel. Now, we have a right before God to preach to everyone. But we see that Jesus went about doing good and creating the atmosphere for listening and opening people's hearts, getting into people's hearts by good deeds and kindness. And let's follow our Lord and pray for wisdom. Whether we give randomly or we give you know, purposely, that God would help us to go about doing good and, and especially giving the debt of the gospel to precious souls. That they who are poor might become rich through Christ. Lord, we thank Thee for Your Word. Truly, the Bible has the answer. And we pray, Lord, for poor souls. We know that everyone who is lost is impoverished spiritually. And we owe them the debt. As Paul said, I am debtor to the Jew and to the Gentile. Lord, we will receive the riches of salvation 
the righteousness that delivers from death of the debt to those that are are poor in spirit, poor in their souls. Lord, you've also taught us that in reaching them, that kindness and love and generosity and help is the leverage in bringing them the gospel. Please give us that combination of of goodness and grace, of good works and gospel, and pray that we might see souls awakened, helped, befriended, that we would go about being a neighbor to souls. Oh God, I thank Thee that the best can yet be with Your help. Fill us with Your Spirit and help us to be doers of the Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. That's saying from our blue hymnals.